You're listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. Join us as we have a fun conversation with certified experts and physicians about health topics for you and your family. It's Your Best Life, our one purpose. Welcome to the Mercy One, Your Best Life podcast. It's a podcast where we discuss topics that help us to live well. In this podcast, we're talking about radon a colorless, odorless gas that appears naturally in the environment and is very prevalent in Iowa. The Environmental Protection Agency says radon can cause lung cancer. Maria Steele, a health care provider, is on a lung cancer journey attributed to radon. Maria, thanks for joining us today. Uh, well, thanks, Greg, for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. Tell me uh, about uh, just your your background and uh, how uh, this uh, prepared you uh, for what became a journey with radon. Yeah, and I appreciate you using that term journey. Um, as we all know, uh, in the media, on social media, uh, print media, there's always an issue of, you know, you need to be a warrior, you need to fight, you need to keep fighting the battle. And, and I get all that. But for me personally, I like to uh, see this more as a journey, as you said, because, you know, on a journey, most of the time, you can pick where you want to go. Um, you can choose who you want to travel with. And I've been very fortunate to have uh, some very important people in my life travel that journey with me. Yeah, I think uh, being part of a large family and learning the value of hard work, you know, we all, well, not all, but a lot of people grew up with the idea that, you know, you work hard, you play hard. Um, we also grew up with a strong faith, which has been a huge part of this journey uh, for me. Now, um, had you heard about radon before? And uh, what, what have you heard about radon, in, including, uh, did you know, Iowa's number one in the country for radon? No, I did not know until I was diagnosed. Um, I had heard of radon um, being dangerous, just like we knew that carbon dioxide was dangerous and there could be high indoor levels and that there were um, different devices that could measure uh, CO2 levels in the home. But I, I, in my wildest dreams, did not realize that radon, as you said, was prevalent in Iowa. I mean, we lead the nation in radon exposure. If you look at the map from the EPA, um, there are other states that are highly affected by this as well. And I think that's, that's what we need to do is to get the word out on that to, you know, our primary care providers, because, you know, they ask about seatbelt use, they ask about tobacco use, but they don't routinely ask about, have you checked for radon in your home? And I would love to see that change, um, but we'll see. And how, uh, how did your uh, journey start uh, with, um, with lung cancer. It's fairly recent. Yes, it is. Um, so I was diagnosed, uh, the week before Christmas, 2019, uh, for a couple of months, I had been experiencing, um, a fullness and a heaviness in my chest, uh, just a dry cough when I laid down at night. Um, and then probably a few weeks before I, uh, was diagnosed, I had started noticing this kind of crackly sound when I breathed in and I had never heard that before. And as a non-smoker, I thought this seems kind of strange. Um, and the fact that just in that July 
before I went for further testing, my youngest brother, Dan, uh, who was a captain, uh, a pilot at American Airlines, had died of a stroke. I mean, he was 54 and had been playing competitive tennis. So um, I was very aware that I needed to get everything checked. Um, we also have a very strong family history of cardiovascular disease um, with two of my other brothers and my, my mom's had a pacemaker for years. So I knew I need to, needed to get the, the heaviness in my chest, uh, especially in the, in the cough figured out. And I also knew from working as an ER nurse for years that cardiac disease presents differently in women. You know, everybody thinks of the crushing chest pain with pain going down the left arm. And that certainly happens, um, but that's actually a more common symptom in men. So I did have, uh, I, I made an appointment to see a cardiologist, had a treadmill, had an echocardiogram, passed with flying colors, had carotid uh, ultrasounds done because of my brother's stroke. And those were all fine. And so then I thought, well, I've got this dry cough at night. It could be reflux. Um, I had worked my entire nurse practitioner career at Iowa Digestive Disease Center. And I knew that one of the signs of reflux could be a dry cough. So uh, I took it upon myself to just take an over-the-counter uh, heartburn medication for about two weeks. Absolutely no change. Finally, my husband just said, Maria, go, go see Dixie Harms. You know, this has been going on too long. So I did, and um, she did a chest x-ray. Um, she called me into her office. She had me wait, and she actually showed me the x-ray on her laptop. And she said, we really need to get this followed up. It looks like there's a possible tumor. You may have emphysema. You may have pneumonia. And I was just, I shook my head, and I'm like, well, that, that doesn't make sense. I don't smoke. I've never had symptoms. I've never been around secondhand smoke never grew up around second, neither of my parents smoked. Um, I, I was just incredulous that it could be something with my lungs. Um, but we were able to get uh, a CAT scan ordered two days later. And then it looked like a primary lung tumor um, with quite a few lymph nodes in my chest that were enlarged, which was the cause of the chest heaviness. Um, and so we ended up getting further testing done uh, after that. Um, and I found out that Friday, um, because Dr. Ben Johnson did tell me the preliminary diagnosis, um, of lung cancer. And that was just a shock. I mean, we were, we were shocked when we got the results of the CAT scan on that Wednesday night. Um, I, I just couldn't, I was totally unprepared for that. Couldn't believe it. Um, and thought, well, you know, let's, we need to do more information. We need to get more information here. Um, let's try not to jump to too many conclusions. Um, but by the end of that week, we knew what the conclusion was, and that was lung cancer. Now, as a, a health professional, um, I've heard that uh, for individuals who uh, are told they have cancer, they hear the word cancer and then don't hear the rest of uh, what the professional is sharing because it is such a shock. Um, it sounds like you were able to process that and then become proactive for yourself and begin to take the steps that you needed to deal with this um, uh, cancer that uh, appears to have been caused from uh, odorless, tasteless, sightless gas. 
Right, exactly. No, I felt very fortunate um, as Dr. Deming made a comment once, he goes, you've been on both sides of the stethoscope. So um, you know that once there is a diagnosis and, and actually what I would tell my patients um, as a nurse practitioner that they might've had you know, colon cancer or something like that, you always wanna have the next step ready because you don't wanna say, hey, you have colon cancer and now we're gonna try and get you in to see an oncologist uh, or a surgeon. That's, they want their plan. And I, and, I, and I understand that not only as a nurse practitioner, um, but truly as a patient. I mean, I just, I, I always thought I had empathy for my patients, but I really ha- would have that empathy ramped up as a, as a result of this journey that I'm on. And uh, uh, with the uh, diagnosis uh, proceeding uh, uh, so quickly, um, you had the ability to uh, receive care um, uh, right away because that diagnosis showed that you needed to get on it right away. Yes, that, and that's true. And don't we all want that? You know, as soon as we know we have a terrible diagnosis like that, we don't want to just sit and think about it. We want, at least I did, um, I wanted action. It's like, let's get this taken care of. And again, thanks to my um, colleagues helping me with that, things did move along quickly. And I needed, after I had had that bronchoscopy to get a biopsy, once I knew what that was, uh, Dr. Johnson had said, well, you're going to need more testing because it's very common for lung cancer to spread to your bones, your liver, and your brain. So you're going to need an MRI of your head. You're going to need a PET scan to look at the rest of your body. So that was set up um, the first week of 2020, um, because again, this, my other procedures had been right before Christmas. And we all know things slow down at Christmas. People are on vacation and all that, um, unless it's an absolute emergency. Um, So uh, again, I was still needing more testing, which I wasn't aware of. I'm I'm not an expert in in, in oncology at all. Um, And so I had my brain scan and the PET scan. um, And uh, I actually saw a report of my MRI and I was at work because I had asked uh, for it to be the report to be sent to me. Um, and so it was, it was sent to me faxed over. And so I couldn't look at it until the end of the work day. But when I did look at it and I, I kept, would always tell people, I just want to see it. You know, I, I can handle it. I want to see it. Um, if there's further information, I'll wait and talk to the oncology people, but I know how to read a path report. I know how to read an MRI, you know, a report from the radiologist. So that day, uh, I remember reading that there was metastasis in my brain, six different lesions. And I, I, I couldn't wait to get home and tell my husband. So, uh, I did tell him, And we both broke down because we knew that it was now worse than we thought. We thought lung cancer is bad enough. Well, now you've got it in your brain. And we also found out that it was uh, throughout my bones. So thankfully my liver's okay, but um, widespread metastasis in my bones. Um, I mean, we literally drove to our church 
I fell on my knees and asked God to help. And um, felt better after that because there's certain things that you just can't handle on your own. And this was one of those things. So we have had the support and prayer of so many people. It's made a tremendous difference in my life and I feel like in my journey. That support is, uh, is uh, so important um, in uh, situations like this, uh, but also uh, in general. In your care, you had uh, access uh, to a group and a team uh, yes. that uh, was uh, dealing with your lung cancer not caused by smoking. Right. Um, and um, that's something that people should really draw upon that uh, they need that extra support to go along with the great medicine that's out. Right. And it truly is what Dr. Deming is, is doing with above and beyond cancer. You know, that is a program that truly looks at body, mind, spirit. And I've been quite involved with that from the get go. And um, I can't say enough good about Dr. Deming. I mean, he uh, leads the way um, and really makes an effort to, to look at uh, nutrition, to look at exercise, to look at mindfulness. Um, you know, you didn't see that in medicine. And I've been in healthcare for 45 years. I mean, it, it was just, you were diagnosed, you're given your medicine and, you know, see you in three months. You know, now I know that's probably a little bit harsh, but I mean, back in the day, no one even wanted to be questioned. You know, it was do here's the best treatment, do it. And hopefully it'll work. Um, I think things today are much better. I think there is, there are conversations with healthcare providers. People are more uh, educated. I'm not saying everything's wonderful out there on the internet as far as data, but you can look at good sources. You can, you can read the medical literature. And I felt that I had an advantage um, as a nurse practitioner to be able to look through um, the data. Although, although I will tell um, a little incidental story, before I went to see Dr. Behrens for my very first treatment, or excuse me, for my very first visit, I did some research because obviously I knew lung cancer was bad, but I, I wanted to see if I could find any information on brain metastasis because every, the big question is, how is this going to affect my life? You know, am I going to, am I going to be dead in five years? I mean, what's, what's happening? So I actually found a, a PowerPoint presentation um, online. Uh, I think it was Yale medical school and they were actually talking about lung cancer, primary lung cancer, non-small cell lung cancer with metastasis to the brain. And I'll never forget the slide uh, because the first bullet was life expectancy three to six months after diagnosis. Shocking. It's like, I mean, I, I closed my computer. I thought, okay. And that was 2016. That was a, a lecture given in 2016. So not that long ago, but I thought, okay, that's enough. I'm going to wait and see what Dr. Barron says. Um, and we'll go from there. So, um, so I did ask him that question at one of our first visits. And uh, cause 
mean, he hadn't really mentioned it. And I'll be honest, as a nurse practitioner, I would give someone a diagnosis and they would say, well, how long do I have? And I would always typically say, you know, it's so variable. I can't give you that answer. I don't have a crystal ball. You know, I, I can't tell you. But I thought after reading that PowerPoint presentation, I really wanted to ask Dr. Behrens his opinion. And he said, well, Maria, the average person with your diagnosis, with uh, the size of the lung tumor, the fact that you have metastasis to your brain, uh, the average person lives a year. And I was like, no way. No, I don't, I don't feel that bad. You know, that's not going to be right for my situation. So, and he said, no, I get it. He said, but you got to realize the average person means the average uh, 50% will live longer. 50% will live less. And he goes, I think because you're already in such good health, you don't take any prescription meds. Um, you're not overweight. You will do better um, than the average person. So uh, I felt good about that. I felt better than thinking I had three to six months. That's for sure. You can, you can sense that um, as you began to receive your care, um, you began to uh, advocate for yourself uh, and ask those questions. Is that an important part of uh, the equation in dealing uh, with radon? Yes, that's, that's a great point. Um, we did talk about radon and I had done some research on that because part of me was like, I've never smoked, don't have all these risk factors. Why me? Why, uh, why is this happening? And that's when I found the research on radon. And then when I went to the EPA website and saw the map of the United States and realized that the whole entire state of Iowa, plus a lot of states to the West and North of us, I mean, I think everybody should go to that website and take a look if they have loved ones in other states and, and whatnot. But, um, and interestingly, uh, my dad's sister was just diagnosed with lung cancer. Um, she lives in Northeast Kansas. Northeast Kansas is just as red as Iowa. So, so it is, I felt that um, since I decided to retire um, about a year or two earlier than I was originally planning, you know, you always want to help others and advocate for them. I mean, that's what nursing is all about, you know, educating the patient, adv advocating for them. And I wanted to continue to do that, not only for myself, but for others, because if this was affecting me and I've been in healthcare seemingly forever, and I wasn't aware of this, then the word needs to be put out. And that's when I learned about Gail Orchid. Um, Gail Orchid was a tireless advocate. So she'd already been doing the work on radon. Um, she had developed lung cancer 10 years prior. She was an educator for 33 years. And um, she brought up the is issue of radon, not only in homes, but also schools. So our daughter Val, has been an educator at, in Waukee schools for the last 10 years. And so it just shifted my thinking. This isn't just residential homes. This is schools and workplace as well. I mean, how many time, how many hours do we spend away from our home? I mean, forget about 2020. We were all home in 2020, but that's probably an even better reason to know what your home uh, homes level is. 
So yes, and um, uh, in in looking at some of the uh, uh, information from the EPA, it's it's not something that's just in a basement. Uh, radon naturally appears in the environment, and in the case of Iowa, um, glaciers played a role in the state, which impacted our soil and made it easier for uh, radon to um, come to the surface, as it were. And so those are things that people should be paying attention to and beginning to monitor for. Right, right. Correct. You are exactly right. And I've had so many people say to me, well, no one sleeps in the basement, so I'm sure we're okay. Or uh, we live in a slab home. We don't have a basement, so we're going to be okay. Um, That's not correct. So most homes are built, even the foundations are built on at least four inches of rock. Well, that allows the radon to seep up through the soil um, and to come into our homes. And where are the HVAC systems? They're not on the second floor. They're in the basement and they're circulating air throughout the home. So especially in winter, when most of us here in Iowa keep our homes, you know, tightened up, windows closed, um, that will uh, raise the rates of radon in our home. I mean, summer, if you've got your windows open, it's a little less, but yet the overall uh, feeling is that radon is there. And it is, you're right, it is out in the environment, um, but it's diluted. You know, when you're in a home and your doors and windows are shut, you've got a, an enclosed area. Um, it's in water. So um, I think actually Northwest Iowa has the highest concentration of radon of all the counties. So that's something else to think about. Think about, uh, I think, is an important uh, uh, message as well. Uh, This is something that can be detected and should be monitored, not something to fear. Correct. I mean, thank you. That's a really good point as well. So um, it's easy to test your home. So you can go to any hardware store and find an at-home test kit for radon. It'll cost $12 to $15. You take it home, you put it in the lower select uh, level of your home. It's like a peel back little tray. And then you send it in and you'll get results within a week or two. Um, we did that originally and the level was high. Once I was diagnosed, we did it. The level was high and I thought, well, let's just double check. And so two weeks later I did it again and it was a little bit higher. So the EPA currently recommends that if your level is between two and four or higher, you should have a mitigation system put in. And we did do that. We contacted a a certified mitigation expert and uh, he came and within a week we had a mitigation system put in. Okay. And uh, then you continue to monitor as well, even with that system in place. Yes. So the recommendation is once you have a mitigation system put in, you should recheck it every two years. Now, the mitigation uh, installer gave me another kit and he said, I want you to do this a week after I leave and just to make sure. And so I did that and it was well below two. I mean, I think it was like 0.95 or something, but I mean, it made it an objective difference. So I was happy to see that, but we'll continue to um, recheck it every two years. There are some ongoing systems that you can keep in your home. I haven't looked into that much, but um, every two years we'll definitely be rechecking. 
Now, um, as uh, as uh, you know, time has uh, gone on. Radon uh, uh, impacted uh, lung cancer, uh, and lung cancer in general has become uh, the new or uh, the number two mortality uh, cause uh, in the state of Iowa, and so it shows uh, the seriousness uh, of it. And you know, as part of the seriousness, and also as part of trying to help individuals, do you think there needs to be something done publicly uh, through uh, government or other means in order to encourage action? Because that's a major impact. It is a major impact. And some of the things that I learned during during my research, and um, I'm a member of the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network, and they have a, a work group on radon um, I'm also a member of the Iowa Cancer Consortium. Again, they look at all cancers. Um, but what I found was uh, lung cancer in general affects more people than breast cancer, uh, colon cancer, and prostate cancer combined. And yet the, uh, the national funding for that uh, compared to breast cancer is, is really surprisingly low. I, of course, have nothing against funding for breast cancer. Uh, mm-hmm. I would never even think that. But I think that the national funding for lung cancer, since it is such a killer, needs to be higher. So that's one piece of it is that uh, research funding needs to be increased. Um, but lung cancer in Iowa kills just as many people as traffic accidents. You know, and if you drive down I-80, you see every Monday morning a different message about traffic accidents. You know, I would love to see, have you checked your home for radon? It kills just as many people as traffic accidents. Um, So I think public education needs to be done. I feel like the American Cancer Society um, and in particular, the American Lung Association both do a good job um, of doing that. And if you actually go to the EPA website, their focus this month is on radon. So the information is out there, but I think the average person still is unaware. So I, I post stuff on, on my social media. Um, we have uh, a blog that we've had now uh, going on th- uh, two and a half years where I've documented my cancer journey. Um, I just think the more people that talk about it, the better. And again, as I mentioned previously, I would love for primary care providers to talk about it more with their patients. Um, As a primary care provider uh, trained, I'm board certified in family practice. I realize that there's a lot of things you have to talk to about patients, you know? Um, But again, if you could post something in each exam room that talked about the dangers of radon and just had a quick handout to give to people, Um, I think that's a start. Also, um, with regards to government intervention, um, I had mentioned Gail Orcutt earlier. She was tireless in trying to get government to require that schools be tested for radon regularly, and if it's positive or if the levels are high, to have mitigations installed. So, um, again, the Iowa Cancer Consortium and the Iowa Cancer Network excuse me, the American Cancer Society uh, Action Network are working diligently to to get that introduced and hopefully pass this year. Gail worked on it for 10 years. She and Dr. Deming would go to Washington, D.C. to talk about it. 
I think everybody at the state house, it sounds like they knew her. Um, personally, I, I never met her, but if you Google Gail Orcutt and Radon, you'll be reading for three hours. I mean, she did interviews. I mean, she was just an amazing person. And she died in May of 2020 of lung cancer and never touched a cigarette. And even her obituary, she used as, a, as an opportunity to educate people on radon. So I just, I just thought that was amazing. And I'm really impressed by that. And there has been progress. Now, some communities now with new home construction and things like that uh, require uh, radon uh, uh, tests uh, in uh, the sale of a home, uh, just like you would have termite tests uh, you know, to buy a home. The, the owner had to uh, certify it. And now radon's part of the equation in some locations in Iowa. Right. Yeah. Iowa City has the strongest uh, local rules in that regard for even for rental properties. Um, but as it stands right now, the state of Iowa as a state does not require that you test. You have to disclose. So if you if you have tested and uh, I mean, you have to disclose what the result was. So um, and yes, you're you made a good point about radon resistant uh, construction. That's being used more and more as well, uh, which is good. But again, it's not required. Okay. And so there's, there's work that uh, uh, still can be done. Oh, absolutely. I, I think as far as the legislature, uh, the focus this year and until it passes probably is to work on the school, the radon school safety bill uh, named after Gail Orkut. Um Hopefully that will pass. And then the next focus would be residential homes. Um, but again, um, I try to get the word out. I wrote an editorial that was in the Des Moines Register uh, about a year ago. And that I hope educated a lot of people. Um, I just submitted another letter to the uh, Des Moines Register. Hopefully that will be published talking about uh, January being uh, Radon Awareness Month. So I'm just one person, so uh, I appreciate the efforts of everyone. And there are lots of other people through the American Cancer Society and the Iowa Cancer Consortium doing work on radon. Um, Dr. Bill Fields is at the University of Iowa. He's actually gonna be retiring, but he's a member of the Iowa Cancer Consortium and he is a worldwide expert on radon and has given talks and lectures um, about the dangers of radon in general. And I so appreciate his work um, on this subject. Well, Maria, you've given us a lot of great information and uh, a lot to think about. And so for an individual uh, who might be concerned uh, or maybe on their own journey uh, now, what would you share with them moving forward? I would share that the information how Iowa, the radon prevalence in Iowa is so great. So to please get your home tested, uh, please support at least in Iowa when this hopefully comes to um, the attention of legislators to support that, write your legislator. But I would also uh, tell people that it is a, it's a different, it's a detour. <laughs> um, having lung cancer is definitely a detour in your journey, but through this, uh, you will meet many people. And if you keep an overall attitude of gratitude 
in your heart that your journey will be less bumpy and allow other people to help you. Um, most of us can be um, very, feel like we're very self-sufficient, um, but if you allow others to help you, that makes the journey just so much more manageable and, uh, and better. I mean, I, I know this probably feels very strange, but I, I feel blessed that I am on this journey because I have the people that I've met, the way I feel in my heart, uh, faith has helped me so much in my family. And uh, I just really appreciate all that my husband, Pat, and my family have done for me. That just, it's just so important and it means a lot. Thank you so much, Maria. And uh, I think you'll help a lot of people who uh, listen to this podcast. Well, I appreciate you doing this, Greg, that this is huge. Mercy One is a huge system, and uh, I think it'll make a big difference. And I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Well, let us know what you thought of this podcast in an email to podcast at mercyhealth.com or find us at mercyone.org slash podcast. There's a form you can fill out to send us your feedback and also find all of our episodes. Until next time, live your best life.